Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? And we got every single line wide open. That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call. Just go ahead and give us a call. Go ahead and put you right at the top of the list. Get your questions answered for you. Yep. Get you going. Get you stopped. (laughs) (laughs) One's just as important as the other. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, just go ahead and give us a call. Go ahead and put you up there at the top of the list and answer stuff. You call in early in the show. We have time to spend with you and ask your question fully. Unfortunately, a lot of folks kind of wait towards the end of the show, and it seems like just about every week, either I don't get to a bunch of calls that are holding, or I have to kind of rush them a little bit and give them an abbreviated answer right? because we run out of time. So Right. But to get your question fully answered That's right. when we're not on the air or maybe think of something during the week, mm-hmm. you have a question, you can always visit our website and get your questions answered there. Right. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Right. Easy way to remember that is take the acronym Altazan's Garage <laughs> Company. That's right. Get you to our site, and there's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night, and he'll mm-hmm. get it back to you within 24 hours. There's also... Three databases you could search on. It just depends on what kind of answer you're looking for. If you want just a short answer, you can go to the vehicle questions, and that's going to be sort of a direct answer to your question. Like, for instance, what are the symptoms of a bad catalytic converter? Well, it's going to give you four short, or five symptoms, short to the point. To the point. But now, if you want to understand more about how a catalytic converter works and what things make it go bad, what things you might do to prevent it from going bad, then you go to the detailed topic section. And mm. if you search catalytic converters, it'll bring up an article Probably 500 to 1,000 words long with pictures and all that sort of thing. And you should fully understand it by the time you get done reading it. You will have a good basic working (laughs) knowledge of it. (laughs) fellow had emailed earlier in the week, and he said that he's gone through, I don't know, two catalytic converters in a relatively short period of time. Uh Uh-huh. And it's on a General Motors product. And, of course, my first question to him is, do you also lose coolant? <laughs> and the answer, yeah, I can, but I hadn't been able to find it. I have to add coolant. Well, what's Guess happening? What? Yeah, he's got an intake leak, and the intake gaskets are allowing the coolant to pass into the exhaust stream. Uh-huh. So the burned-up converters are really just a symptom of the oh, problem, a very expensive symptom correct. Of, of another very, very expensive problem. But if you don't alleviate the original problem, which is the coolant leaking into the exhaust, then you're going to be putting catalytic converters on this thing from now on. And there's probably six or seven other things that can also cause catalytic converters to fail. These are the kind of things you pick up in the detailed topic section. Right. As opposed to just a direct answer to the question. So either one of those is a real good resource for folks in Baton Rouge or really all over the world, I guess. Put one on there this morning on changing power steering fluid the easy way. That is something that gets mostly overlooked until you have a problem. It does. And what happens i found as i started to research this article is a lot of folks think they have to take one of the hoses off to get the fluid out right and, and that's, that's something very you dangerous. don't want to do well it's very dangerous you have a highly highly flammable fluid that's under great pressure if you don't get that hose back on exactly right and some of them are pretty tricky because they have all kind of little clips and retainers and stuff the hose pops all sprays power steering fluid and exhaust you may very well burn your car up exactly so this gives you a very simple very inexpensive way to do it yourself and prevent power steering problems. It also goes in detail on different types of fluid, what kinds of fluid go into different types of cars, and so on and so forth. So that's the sort of thing you can get from the detailed topic section. Correct. So both of them are real good resources. And of course, there's a glossary as well with defined terms, automotive terms. For instance, if you hear the term TPS or MAP sensor, M-A-P, what does that mean? You can go to glossary and define it for you with right. photos and all that stuff. And that give you a hand if you take your car in somewhere and the guy behind the counter starts rattling off acronyms, acronyms about it that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. That glossary will have them in there 
you can go through it, find what you're looking for, mm-hmm. and you have a basic knowledge of what you're being told That's right. about your vehicle. That's right. So go on there and pop on and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Of course, stands for Altazan's Garage Company. Pop on there. I think you'll really like it. And we're going to our phone line with Mario. Good morning, Mario. Good morning. How are you doing? I am doing great, sir. Good, Good. morning. Good. Is it my, I'm just out of curiosity. Is it my imagination that we have more independent inspection stations around town than we ever had before? I couldn't answer that for you, Mario. I, see, I, I, I just see don't know. I see some freestanding stations now. Is that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And seems well, like- I guess because the price of an inspection sticker has gotten up high enough to where maybe now it's profitable to do that is the only thing I can think of. I, I don't know. They hadn't gone up. You know, I got an inspection sticker a couple of months ago, uh-huh. and it was still $18. So. Really? Well, well it's, it's still- gone up from 8 wasn't it? Oh, well, that's yeah, it was, years. It was about, years about years eight, ago. 8 bucks years ago, and now yeah. it's 18 yeah. And I guess there's more money to be made doing it. I don't know. I I haven't noticed that myself, but then I got to tell you, I don't get out that much. <laughs> well, 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 when you get out, just kind of look around, and you see some freestanding stations. That, that's surprising, really. Really? And see, some of those may be anticipating a even larger rise, because I know that's one of the things on the books is a fairly major increase in that as well as everything else we get. That, well, that, that makes sense why they're going to get. Up. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're popping up in anticipation of that. Yeah, maybe so. Okay, thank you. Here. All right, Mario, thank you, man. Bye-bye. Yeah, that is something that I have not noticed, the state inspection. I've noticed a few more, around town, but really hadn't hadn't thought a whole lot about hmm. them. You only really think about it once a year when you have to get that's a sticker. Right, that's so. right. And at one time, state inspection was basically considered a loss leader for a shop. They sure. lost money on the deal. Sure. And a few of them did it as a service to their customers, but I guess now it's getting to where maybe there's a little bit more money in it and it's a little more profitable for them. There's a lot more equipment involved now. Yeah. You know, scan tools, gas checking caps. I guess so. All computer and, and Maybe control. they think they can sell some of the related services. If you come in and fail inspection, maybe you'll get yeah. it fixed there. I don't very, know. Very possible. Using kind that as a limp. Yeah, kind of interesting observation. I, I hadn't noticed it myself. Who knows? Just <laughs> <laughs> have to see how that plays out. Yeah. Let's go back to our phone. I've got Bob on the line. Good morning, Bob. Yeah, I've got an old five Honda Odyssey. Uh-huh. And at certain speeds, like from 30 to 40 miles an hour, occasionally my right front wheel seems to just jump up and down for a little, like a little dance that goes on. I was wondering what that is and what I need to do about it. Bob, what brings it on? Is it like hitting a bump or is it just driving along? Or? Not necessarily a bump. And sometimes a bump just, it'll just, at certain speeds, like, between 30 to 40, maybe 42 mile an hour. It'll just bump up and down, just the right front wheel. I haven't really experienced that myself to a great extent, but I know the Honda Odysseys have a fair amount of trouble with the shock absorbers on them. I know we occasionally will get one in and start doing repair on it, have it up on a rack, and when you go to set it down, the shock absorber freeze up on them. Mm-hmm. And you have to change it. It'll cause that bumping around like that. Are you sure it's the wheel that's shaking? It's not something else? Well, it, it feels like the wheel. Yeah, bump. well, the reason I asked, Brian had mentioned possibly a transmission shutter because when they go into what they call lockup, which would be around that speed, you will get a almost like running over a little cattle garden road just yep, for a few seconds. What you can do is try it. If it does it quite regular, don't put it in overdrive. Put it in drive and see if it still does it mm-hmm. with a transmission selector in drive. What that does is that stops the overdrive from locking in. Right. And see if it still does it. One other thing you might could try, Bob, is when it does it, if you think about it, just reach over and touch the brake pedal very lightly. You don't have to apply the brakes. Just touch the brake pedal and see if it goes away. Because, see, when it sees brake application, it's going to come out of lockup. But that is a more common symptom that we see around that speed. And it won't be a continuous, it'll be maybe a 
three to five second event and then it'll go away or does this just keep doing it it's just it's a short short yeah, short burst right. kind of like run over a cattle guard in the road yeah i would almost suspect torque converter shutter they've had some trouble with that on the hondas what year model is it oh five oh five it was supposed to be fixed after oh four but 99 to oh three had a good deal of trouble with that what i would probably suggest is bring it to whoever have repair your car, ride with the technician and demonstrate it to him. Maybe as simple as servicing the transmission. And that one's very simple to service. And if it hadn't been done recently, it needs to be done anyway. Do you do any work yourself, Bob? Yeah. Okay, well, it's real, real easy to service transmission on that one. All you do is go to the Honda deal and buy yourself six quarts of fluid, or, or maybe seven just to be safe, because you got to use Honda fluid. It's got a drain plug on it, just like your oil pan. You remove that plug, and either three or three and a half quarts is going to come out. Okay, put your plug back in, refill it, go drive it about 10 minutes, come back and do it again. And that's how you service it. Mm -hmm. And that may very well solve your problem. If it doesn't, it'll definitely buy you some time on your transmission. If it hadn't been done recently, it needs to be done. I like to do them about every 30,000 miles on those vehicles. Yeah. So I would probably try that first off and see. Okay. All righty. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. All right now. Yes, bye-bye. Sir. If you want to report of the automotive, we'd love to have you. And we've got Curtis online. Good morning, Curtis. How you doing? Good morning. How y'all doing? Good, good. I want to talk to you about a power steering on a 2003 Honda. Okay. Just had the transmission overhaul. Uh-huh. Ever since I've got it back, notice it's whining in my power steering. Okay. okay. You sure it's power steering whining, Curtis? Well, it sounds like it. <laughs> well, but when, see... When the, does it do it? When, when does you're it, steering it, mostly. When, when you, you turn back and forth? Right. Okay. It doesn't ever do it any other time? No, I hadn't noticed it. Well, the reason I'm asking is because the transmission is basically very similar to the power steering in that they're both hydraulic units. Right. And the transmission can make the same exact noise. Okay. It's just kind of weird that right after they overhauled it, it did that. What kind of Honda are we talking about? It's a pilot. Honda, Honda pilot. pilot. The front cross member's got to come out, and the rack is hooked to the cross member. Right. They so may, if they disconnected the rack, the hydraulic lines from air. the rack, they may have got some air in it. Yeah, some air in the hydraulic system. Well, it's possible. Opinion. It seems to go away after it's run for a little while. It gets warmer. Uh-huh. About that oil and transmission, hmm. should I stay with the Honda fluid? Yes, oh, yes, yes absolutely. Definitely. You have to. It's a special fluid. It's different from anything else. Because I don't think they put that in there. You better find out because that's what's got to go in it. It's a unique do it, fluid. Do it. Yeah. Drain it and... Uh, oh, absolutely. Do like you was talking to the other guy about? Absolutely, yes, sir. Get your Honda fluid in there. Honda and Acura both require a special fluid. It has a friction modifier in it, and what will happen, you'll start getting a pretty bad torque converter shutter if you don't put it in there, oh, okay. which could end up tearing transmission up. Okay. Uh, it is a Dextron-based fluid, but it is a much more highly refined fluid and has a friction modifier in it. What would you recommend on the winding part? I would, if it's there when you turn the wheel, right, and it's not there any other time, right. then I'm going to suspect it's probably got some air in the system. And that can be the devil to get out. But what I would try first, Curtis, is to jack the two front wheels off of the ground, take the power steering cap off, and without the car running, grab the wheel and very slowly turn it all the way out one way, all the way in the other way, about 10 times. Okay. And what that does is forces the fluid through the system without the pump running. And it... Tell that dog to hush up. <laughs> It'll eventually bubble on out at the, at the reservoir. A lot of times that will bleed them out. Right. Now, go on my website, too, and read that article I just put on there on changing power steering fluid. And you might want to do that. Go ahead and change that fluid. And, again, Honda has got a special power steering fluid only for Hondas. 
naturally. Yeah, they, yeah. Got, they got their own fluid. And, you know, it's kind of aggravating, but a lot of cars do that. But I got to say, the Honda stuff is good stuff. And it's kind of expensive, too. Not that, <laughs> not bad. that bad. Not that bad. Three or four bucks a bottle. And it doesn't yep. hold that much. So it's not going to be a huge cost to you. But put the Honda Power Steering Fluid in it. Go ahead and replace the fluid. Bleed it out, like I said, and I believe you'll solve that problem. Uh, oh, okay, Curtis. Thanks, sir. Thank you, All man. Right. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. It winds from Chicago to L.A. More than 2,000 miles all the way. Hi folks, Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters. And I do mean characters. Zoinks! You know, Lewis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. 40 years is really far out, man. <laughs> Lewis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Go! 40 years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. <sighs> donuts. Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. <laughs> Welcome back. If you just join us at the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls, 499-9526. Last caller brought up a good point, and this is getting to be more and more and more and more where manufacturers have specific fluids and potions and lotions and right. lotions that you absolutely have got to use on their products. And it's getting more and more. It is getting more and more and it's getting more and more expensive to the point where it's almost getting ludicrous. Right. Some of the new cars, well, some people are going to buy a new car no matter what you say. I just don't like people to fall into something and then later on regret Find it out. because they didn't know right. up front. And when you start looking at new cars, it's sort of like we had a gentleman come in earlier this week with a Cadillac CTS. Okay. And his headlight was out. Well, the headlight bulb, just the bulb, was right. over $200. That's a HID. Right. $200 for a bulb, and you have to pull the front bumper off to change it. Right. Which is about two and a half hours labor. Right. So you roll out of there with 450 bucks to change a headlight bulb. <laughs> and I don't think many people, when they buy these cars, stop to think about that kind of stuff. They don't. Most the, people don't. They really don't. And you know, another a shame. example is like the 20-inch tires they're putting on cars. Well, they look really cool, except they're 350 to $400 a piece. If you get a good tire. Right. Now, there are some out there for around 100 and a half. Well, we should go tear the car you've got, up. Yeah, you've got junk. Yeah, you could tear your car up, and it's going to cost you $1,000 down the road because it's a tore up rack and pinion or tore up this, that, or the other. Exactly. But most people, when they buy this car, and I'm not talking about big luxury cars. You may no, buy a little Chevy truck. Yeah, a Nissan Altima or something. Right. They're not prepared to have to 
lay out sixteen hundred bucks for a set of tires that That's wear it. out real fast. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of technology is just almost ludicrous. I was reading this morning some update stuff, and they were talking about some of the new cars with the navigation systems in them. Right. When your battery goes dead, it can take up to six minutes just to reprogram the navigation system. Plus, you've got a steering and other kind of system. You may have to tow this car somewhere and actually have it reprogrammed once your battery goes dead. Right. Well, you know, they don't tell you that when you're selling you the car. <laughs> well, let's see. Yes, sir. Uh, it's going to be $100 to tow it in. Uh, battery is $300, and uh, it's going to be another 150 years For 800 bucks. you can get a new battery in your car. Right. But they don't tell you all that stuff when they're selling you the car. Well, the, the moral of the story is do your homework. Absolutely. Find out what you're buying. Find out what it's going to cost to fix it down the road mm-hmm. because you're going to have to fix it. And see, that's one of those things that nobody ever considers the cost of repair and maintenance when they're actually buying the car. Oh, it's a new car. It's going to last forever. And plus, it's got a three-year warranty, and I'm going to probably get rid of it after three years. Well, well after three years, you ain't even, you're still upside down. You still oh, yeah. owe three still, times what the car's worth. That's right. And so, go, in, go into the service shop at your dealership oh, yeah. and see how many of them brand-new cars are sitting in the service bay being worked on. Lots and lots and lots because lots of them are at our shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, just all I'm saying is just do your homework before you go plop down the bucks for one of these cars because the 30 to 40 k you paying for the car is only the beginning. That's right. That's not the end. And it is just getting more and more and more prevalent all the time. Things like the cars that park themselves and all this kind of garbage. Well, what they don't tell you is there's probably $5,000 worth of electronics under the car that does that. That's right. And you bump a curb and tear something up. Well, that's five grand to fix your car. And the car won't run without it. That's right. You can't, you know? <laughs> can't drive because you don't have any steering because electric power steering is stripped out in it. Or right. On and on and on. It, plus, it's reflected back in the insurance rates because every time you damage the car, it costs that much. So now your insurance goes sky high. Yep. On and on and on and on. What we're doing is we're putting all sorts of, in my opinion, useless technology on cars bells and whistles and, and stuff like that that don't really help anybody but cost a huge huge amount to maintain and correct when they go wrong and the, the thing about it it's all wired in together mm-hmm. so if one system goes down the whole car is going to go down that's right many times it does yeah so anyway just something to kind of look out for we're going back to the phone lines with alice good morning alice good morning good yes, morning ma'am. I have uh, actually inherited a Buick Park Avenue okay. it's a 98 uh-huh and it's kind of one of those cars that was loaded out, and every time something goes wrong with it, it's a fortune. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you said, like the battery goes dead. Well, uh-huh. the fuel gauge goes out every time the battery goes out. And you have to go <laughs> and get a special magnet to reset it. You oh, know? goodness. Yeah. But anyway, what I'm having now is, though, I noticed first that the washers, uh, which is on the left-hand side or whatever. Yes, ma'am, on the turn signal thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, the washer thing is full and obvious. Well, the cruise control, which is also on that same thing, went out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just trying to find out if there's like there obviously must be some central thing that's causing this. Could very well be. Could very well be the multifunction switch, Alice. That's that big old stalk that sticks out the side, and basically it works the washers, the wipers, the cruise, the headlights. You know, just by everything in the car runs through this one big switch. Uh-huh. And when they fail, a lot of those things will start to happen. Now, it's also possible you got two unrelated problems. For instance, the washer pump could have gone out in the reservoir and then just something else happened. But that switch is an obscenely expensive part. Figure that. About a, four, about a, oh yeah, about a $450 part. And wow. then, yeah, and, and about two hours to get to it because it's buried down inside the steering column. So it's a pretty expensive thing. I would want to get that checked by someone, make sure that it's not something else. It could be, like I said, unrelated problems. It could just be two things just happened to fail. It is kind of coincidental that they're both on the same 
thing, but yeah, you want a good, clean diagnosis on that. You don't want to just start, start throwing parts at it because right. uh, those parts are so expensive, uh, particularly from General Motors. GM has just really, really jacked the price of their parts up in the last couple of years. They've almost yeah. doubled the price of everything on their cars. Well, when I inherited the car, I told my dad, gave me my, I said, well, you know, Dad, I really appreciate it. And it's, mm-hmm. You know, it's a nice car and it's still in good shape. And my problem is I can't afford the repairs on it when something goes wrong. Well, you know, you, know you, you, you make an excellent point, Allison. Back this last debacle they had with the cash for clunkers, yeah. Exactly what happened is an awful lot of people went and traded in or, and they crushed and got rid of cars they could afford to operate and put them into technology they can't even begin to, to afford to maintain. Exactly. And so people are way worse off now than they were before. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just kind of a sign of our times. I don't know, unless somebody puts a foot down somewhere, I, I guess when the American public just quits buying all together, maybe they'll get the message. But it, it, it's right. a real shame. But, yeah, to ask you a question, you need to really get that thing checked. It's pretty simple to check. What you could do is get a voltmeter and go to the little pump, washer pump, uh-huh. press the button. If you got 12 volts and ground at the pump, then it's not the switch. It's going to be the pump itself. If you don't mm-hmm. have, then you got to kind of trace it back up. But it could it could very well be that big switch. And then, so if it's separate, then I got to then I got to worry about the cruise control deal. And yes, ma'am. Pump. But again, it could be two simple problems. I mean, you may have a cruise control switch or even a fuse blown, and you may have a little pump motor, which is not too bad on the washers the okay. biggest thing is the washers because i think you have to have that to get an inspection stick oh, really? cruise control i don't think you have to have okay i mean it's nice okay. to have but you could probably live without worst case scenario if you just can't afford to change that switch i mean it is possible to hook up a little separate button that you could just push to make the washers work okay. most shops could do that for you it would cost a lot less than changing that switch at least it would well, get i just think spend that much money on a car that's you know 12 years old or yeah whatever. and it's not like it's the end of it either and you know if you buy a new one you can probably get worse yeah you know? <laughs> yeah you'll be worse off yeah well, thanks for your information. I appreciate it. All righty. Thank you, ma'am. Bye bye. Hi, four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. We're gonna take one more little quick break and we'll be right back after the break. Agco presents A C S I Automotive Crime Scene Investigation. Okay, rookie. I gotta warn you. Some of what you see at an automotive crime scene ain't pretty. I think I can handle it. Let's see. Looks like the car got one of those discount brake jobs. And, of course, the shop used cheap aftermarket brake pads. The owner called us in because the car was squealing and shaking when it braked. Don't let discount repair work cause future problems that cost you more in the long run. Take your vehicle to Agco Automotive, where we use quality parts that provide the lowest overall cost for vehicle repairs. Here, let me pull this off so you can see the rotors. Oh, my goodness. Yep, warped like the dickens. I think I'm going to be sick. (laughs) Rookie. Looks like we need to get this car to Agco quick. To learn how to prevent your car from becoming a victim, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go because taking your vehicle somewhere else could be a crime. I'm your host, Louis Alvarez, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. I'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction, get you some free advice, and maybe help you to prevent some problems. There you go. We were talking just a second ago to Alice, and she was talking about the, the car. And, you know, that is pretty much, I guess, all cars, it is relatively expensive to have them repaired. Right. The newer ones are certainly much, much more so than the older ones were. And the older ones, a lot of times you can do things yourself that on the newer ones, you just absolutely are not going to be able to do anything yourself. Uh, everything's going to have to go to the shop or, or someone. Someone with a with the correct 
tooling to work on them. That's right, tooling, knowledge, uh, education, what have you. But the point is, only thing that you can do, because at some point in time, you're going to have to buy a newer car. Right. Whereas the old cars are not going to be around forever. So it's not going to be like you're going to have a choice that I'm never, ever going to buy one of these. Sooner or later, you're going to have to bite the bullet and buy one. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you can look for one with less bells and whistles on it. But the key point is, there are certain maintenance issues that are absolutely necessary on a car. What makes it really bad is the manufacturers downplay that. Right. They don't want you to really think a whole lot about maintenance. And number one, it's in their best interest if you don't maintain the car. Well, exactly. Then you're going to have to buy a new one when this one's wore out and can't be repaired anymore. Well, that's right. And number two, it's sort of like putting a commercial in the middle of a love scene. You're sitting here trying to sell a guy a car, and you start telling him, well, but you have to spend this money to maintain it. Right. People just don't want to hear that. They want to hear they're going to get in the car, they're going to ride it, and they're never going to cost them another penny. But that is just not reality. I think everybody knows that. There's just no free lunch. You're going to pay. Sure. And you can spend a little bit of money maintaining your car and prevent a whole, whole lot of money down the road. Oh, definitely. That's what the maintenance is all about. That's exactly what it's about. It's spending a little bit of money today to prevent something that costs a whole lot of money tomorrow. Exactly. And while there aren't as many maintenance items as there were at one time, the, the maintenance items that are there are absolutely critical. Sure. Because they've got it whittled down to the absolute minimum. There's, this is what you have got to do to keep this car running. And you should actually be doing a little more than that. You should be, and you should certainly be doing every single one of them and exactly on time. Or before, or, or a little before. bit before. Yeah, because they are pushed to the, they're giving you the absolute bare bones minimum to try to keep the car going, at least keep it during the warranty period. They want right. to keep going. Well, the average lifespan of a car, they figure, is 8 to 10 years. Yeah, and... And at that, it's completely done, can't be repaired anymore, right. and you're hunting a new one. Right. Throw, throw it in the garbage and get something else. You right. don't have anything to trade in anymore. And that's not like me. Right. I keep a car 20, 25 years. Yeah. Oh, especially yeah. if it's doing what I want it to do. That's right. Well, I keep mine at least 15 years, and the thing is, I don't want to spend a bunch of money on unnecessary repair along the way, so I don't mind maintaining them. Right. But things like, for instance, a timing belt, if your car has a timing belt, you've got to watch. That is absolutely critical because it says like 105,000 miles, but it also says seven years. Mm -hmm. And we get a number of people, particularly elderly people, who just don't drive their cars that much. Right. Uh, car, have, car may be 10 years old well, with yeah. 50,000 miles on We've got a little uh, Toyota 4Runner that came in, and the lady has been taking excellent care of it, uh -huh. but it was a 2002, which makes it nine years old. It only had 59,000 miles, but the timing belt had never been replaced. Right. And so, age is worse than the right, miles. That's exactly right. If that belt breaks, you could tear the engine up, which is literally going to total the car. Right. That's an interference motor, and the timing belt is the only thing that keeps the valves from hitting the pistons. That's correct. So, so if the timing belt breaks, you're going to have a, pit, a valve hanging down and a piston coming up, mm -hmm. and you can figure you can wipe the engine out when that happens that's exactly right things like that things like transmission services coolant service cannot right. overemphasize how important that is the cooling system will literally total your car it'll eat itself up it will eat that car away i mean you right. start buying heater cores and radiators and engine blocks and everything else before you can even believe it you bring the car in and it's just not it's too worked. late yeah you can't be fixed it's right it's too, too late far gone. by the time the symptom shows itself it's too late that's right even things like your spark plugs that don't show any symptoms. The mileage is not going to fall off. It's not going to start idling rough. It's not going to do anything any different when That's the plugs right. wear out. One day it's just not going to run. Well, what's going to happen is the computer just keeps bumping the burn time on the plugs, giving it more fire, more fire to keep it running right. 
one day it melts the calls down top of the engine and you get the car towed in and it's 1200 bucks to fix it. That's right. You know, oh my God, what happened? What caused this? Well, did you ever change the spark plug? Well, no, it was running fine. It, well, it will run fine until it, it quits. It will run fine until it burns up That's because right. it, this, the computer is going to hide the symptoms. It's going to mask them. It's going to allow for that. So the things that are advised on maintenance are absolutely critical. It's not neat like in the old days where you were going to get some warning. It was going to start idling rough or your gas mileage was going to fade. In fact, if it idles rough or the mileage falls off, it ain't the tune-up. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's something, something else. Totally else. So it's not something like changing the time bell. It's not going to make it run one bit better. Nope. You're not going to notice any difference. You're just going to keep from tearing the motor up. So that's the kinds of things you have to really, really watch out for because car repair is expensive enough as it is, much less having to buy repair that you didn't need because you didn't maintain the car. Right. Spend a little now, save a lot later. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say probably 50% of the repairs we do were preventable. Yeah. Somebody had not maintained something. Had they, had they done that, the car wouldn't be in for the repairs now. Well, you look at a transmission service. Mm -hmm. Anywhere from 100 and a quarter to $175 right, spent right, right now right. will save a... $2,500 to $3,000 yeah, transmission left the road. $4,000 in some cases. With, right. with these newer cars, with the five and six-speed transmissions, possibly considerably Taking, more than that. They all take special fluids. Well, you know. six-speed transmission, it may you may actually total a car sure. if a transmission goes out. So, yeah, it's, it's just more critical than ever. And, of course, that's where you can go to our website, and there's just tons of information on maintenance in there. Tells you how to know what to do, what to do, because there's lots of uh, snake oil out there too. There is lots of scam artists that are trying to push stuff on mm -hmm. you, like induction cleanings, and uh, this is just junk they can sell you because the normal maintenance needs is you don't have to pack wheel bearings anymore, you right. don't have to do this, you don't have to do that. So all a lot those... of the legitimate services have gone away. Right. So they so, got to stay in business somehow. Yeah, they come up with all this snake oil they try to sell you. You know, fuel injection flushes, transmission flushes. Basically, if the word flush is on the end of it, you just add wallet. Yeah, wallet flush. Yeah. That's right. So. <laughs> A lot of people are getting taken advantage of. They're not maintaining the car, whereas they think they are, and right. the, the legitimate stuff is going undone. Well, every one of your new cars comes with a maintenance booklet in the back right. of it. If you'll follow that booklet, mm -hmm. find somebody you trust that can work on your vehicle, right. have talk, discuss it with them mm -hmm. about what needs to be done to this vehicle at a certain time. Right. The maintenance book is going to give you... Like you said, the a guideline, the, the guideline to mm -hmm. get it going, and that, and you got to remember that maintenance book is probably the minimum. Yeah, uh, oh, that, definitely the minimum. By. You don't definitely ever want to, you don't ever want to exceed those recommendations or forget those recommendations. That's right, you will have trouble if and you don't do that. You want to use the severe schedule, not the normal right. schedule. There's certain things you can do to prevent problems, but if you don't do those, you will have problems. Definitely. So let's go back to our phone lines. We got Bobby online. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Enjoy the show as always. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Well, Lewis and Brian, I have all the money in the world, okay. but I, I think the government's going to want to take that, so I want <laughs> to try sure. to save it. There you go. I want to try to save what I can on the car. And, you know, two, two questions. Uh, i got a 91 and a 93. Do they have the computers, 91 Ford van and a 93 Dodge Caravan, do they have the computers that compensate, as you were just talking oh, yeah. about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, okay. they've had that price since the mid-'80s. Mid-'80s, okay. Mm -hmm. Pretty much anything with fuel injection yeah. has a computer in it that runs... Our computers. Our computers, yeah. Now, the, the newer stuff is, of course, more adept at doing it than the older stuff was, but, they, yeah, they basically all have computers on them. Yeah, well, that explains a lot about how come it runs great sometimes and other times it's terrible and it's That's nothing right. in between. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lewis, uh, uh, what's a guy to do? Buy a three-year-old car with thirty to 50000 on it or what? Yeah, that's what I would do, Bobby. I would. I just. I was in a position where I had to buy a car. I'd go out and try to find something about three years old. Mm -hmm. The reason I always use the three-year rule is because – in three years, the vehicle's hit maximum depreciation. It's lost as much value as it's going to lose for a while, and it's still in pretty good shape. 
For instance, if you went to a five-year-old car, yeah, you can buy it a little cheaper, but if the guy never maintained it, you're mm-hmm. going to have some issues. And mm-hmm. that's something you need to look at when you're buying a used car is does the person selling the car have the maintenance records right. for it? And see, that's, a big, a, that's a big seller. Yeah, if you buy a three-year-old car, it probably didn't have a lot of maintenance requirements for four or three years. So even if you just change all, you're probably going to still be in pretty good shape. And you figure most cars lose almost 65% of the value in the first three years. You're going to be pretty good financially, too. Yeah, the, the thing is, should we, if, even if you don't need one, should mm-hmm. you not? You know what I mean? If you're driving a 15- or 17-year-old car, should you get one now? Because three years from now, if you buy a three-year-old car, it's going that's to be right. the junk they're selling Well, that's today. right. And, and, and it's going to be a sliding scale. I can tell you, I may not be giving this advice in another two years. Just because okay. it's a sliding scale, okay. after 08, the cars, in my opinion, started getting so bad. That's it. Yeah, you, you have to rethink your strategy at that point. Right now, yeah, you could. If your cars you got are not giving you any trouble, you're not spending a lot of money on them, I don't know that I would go and buy a new one unless I just wanted a new one. Well, but, the, the trouble is if it goes out two or three years from now, yeah. Or four years from now, maybe I'm in a less advantageous buying position. I'm going to have to buy something that... You're going to have to buy something that's a little older like because I think what... Unless something drastic changes between now and then, I'm going to recommend people buy our 2007 or older. I wouldn't go to an 8, which means it's going to get to be four years, five years, and so on. We just have to kind of see what happens as we go along. Maybe somebody will wake up and start changing all this. I don't know. Very interesting paradox. I don't know that I would go out and buy another car unless I was just ready for another car. But, yeah, right now you could do that. Yeah, well, like I said, I got to do some thinking because, but well, just because of what you said, you know, in four or five years from now, that's great. Now I've got to do something. Right. I'm walking. And you see, it's like everything else. I was listening to the financial show before we came on. They're talking about predicting for your retirement. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. The world's in just such a state of flux, and this country is so unsettled, yep. and and nobody knows what to do. And that's what's you know, nobody can predict the future because there's too many loose cannons and just random factors out there. Nobody can predict. Right, and you, and not only that, most of us don't have control over it. That's right. We have and no so, control over it. You know, it. You, you did this and you did that. Well, that's great. You planned on a 4 or 5 or 6 or 7% return. That's, that's not right. going to happen. That is not there now. And, so. and so now, you know, it, it's, it's a pretty serious thing for some it of is. the guys on fixed income. It and, is. Um, so I, well, that's thing is we got to watch it day to day to day and see what happens. Right. I think you guys are doing a public service teaching them how to make those things that they got last. That's right, long as you can. Long as you can. You guys take care. Have a great okay, Bobby. Week. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Hey, Lewis, how you doing this morning? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Look, you started off the show talking about catalytic converters. Yes, sir. I had a question on that. My sure. son has got an O2 Avalanche. Okay. And his gas mileage. Uh, well, let me say also say this. He's put on a uh, MagnaFlow exhaust system on it, mm-hmm. but his gas mileage has gone just way down. I'm talking about like eight ten miles a gallon around town. Okay. And he's thinking it's the catalytic converters causing that. Would that be the case? Man, that certainly wouldn't be the first thing I'd start looking at. Generally, if a converter is going to affect your mileage that much, you're going to have a distinct drop in power. You're probably going to be overheating and your check engine light's going to be on. Doesn't have any of that going on. So, yeah, I would kind of doubt it. I mean, it's a pretty simple test to check the converter from that aspect because all you have to do is take the upstream O2 sensor out and as a gauge you screw and you can measure the back pressure. And at 2,000 RPMs, you want to have less than four pounds of back pressure. If you got considerably more than that, then it could be affecting your mileage. But that would probably be the last thing I'd be looking at. I would see what other things he's done if he's put this MagnaFlow on there, see what else he's done to the car. Because when you start trying to modify that stuff, man, those computers don't like that at all. And the right. first thing you could notice is your mileage is going to drop and your reliability is going to go away. Right. You know, right. particularly if he's tampered with the intake system in any way, put some of these high-performance air filters on there that can screw up the airflow meters and all that. 
all that affects mileage. Right. One of the biggest factors on mileage is the thermostat, engine thermostat. Make sure he hadn't either removed or put a different thermostat in there because when the engine temperature drops, it starts double pulsing the injectors, and your mileage will drop to nothing. Right. So Yeah, I don't think he's done anything with that, with the, with the uh, thermostat. Yeah. He doesn't have any of the, the air intake stuff going yeah, I would Yeah, I would highly doubt that the cat could affect mileage that much without giving other symptoms. Now, let me ask you something. Now, this is going to sound kind of strange, but now that he has a new exhaust system, it's a lot louder than the old one was, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay, so maybe we're listening to the exhaust a whole lot more with a lot more throttle? <laughs> well, you got a point there. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's possible. Yeah, right. it, it doesn't take a whole lot more Right, his driving habits could be changing. Yeah, because now it's got a little more power, and it probably goes a little bit better. And it makes a lot more noise. pushing a little bit harder. Yeah, it, it de- it's definitely a good point. It doesn't take very much of that to really drop the mileage down on these vehicles because they've got adaptive learn. And when you start giving the gas, it's going to move the shift points way up to make more power. It's going to start doing all kinds of stuff to make power, and that's going to knock your mileage in the toilet. Well, if we guess uh, check our mileage and have him drive around town like a little old lady or something, right. see, see what it does. Well, well maybe you- go back to driving the way he was before. Yeah. We got the loud exhaust system. Yeah, and you may right. you may have it's to possible. actually go back and reset some things because it'll take a while for that thing to right. start adapting back. You know, it's moving the shift points and all up. I tell you, if you want to just see, go drive it normal and see if it seems like it's shifting late. Okay. If it's shifting or later or harder than normal, then somebody's been getting into it pretty good because it's, it's moved those points way up. Right, right. And, and all of that adds up to, to way lower right. mileage. That'll, that'll definitely kill the mileage. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, I really doubt it's going to be the converter. Yeah. I think you'd have other symptoms. Uh, does the converter, when they're going bad, though, do they, like, rattle or something? Or how well, that's tell? one way they can go bad. They can start rattling if the shell breaks inside. The mm-hmm. check engine light can come on if they lose efficiency. They can plug up, in which case you'll lose power. So... The symptoms that you're going to notice depend on the type of failure. And, again, you might go read that article. It'll give you a whole lot more information on it. Sure. But there's probably five or six different ways they can fail, and each one's going to give you a different set of symptoms. Sure. Okay. All righty. Well, sure do appreciate that. Okay, Mike. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. We've got to take one more quick little break. George, hang on. You'll be straight up after the break. AGCO presents ACSI. Automotive Crime Scene Investigation. Detective, what do we got? Chief, looks like this poor car took quite a beating. I think the owner tried to maintain the vehicle properly, but he took it to the dealership for a transmission service. The dealership? Not Agco? Yep, and instead of quality service, he got a wallet flush. The dealership didn't remove the oil pan or replace the filter. They even used the wrong fluid. Don't let a wallet flush happen to you. Take your vehicle to Agco Automotive, where you can trust our honest, knowledgeable team to do the job right. What kind of monsters treat an innocent car like this? I don't know, but I do know that we need to get this car to Agco ASAP so they can give it some TLC. Nice acronyms, Detective. Thanks, sir. To learn how to prevent your car from becoming a victim, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go because taking your vehicle somewhere else could be a crime. segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, over here. And between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we got George Ben patiently holding. Good morning, George. Hey, good morning. How yes, you guys sir. Doing? doing great, sir. Good morning, sir. 
All right, two questions, both concerning a 2005 Chevy Silverado okay, with a, what I would call a 327 engine. Yeah, 5.3. Yeah, that. Okay. Uh-huh. When it hit 100,000 miles, I decided I ought to have some new spark plugs in okay, it, sir. which I did, uh-huh. and I lost one mile per gallon. Yes, yeah, sir. Did you, did, you put back, is, did you put the AC Delco spark plugs back in it? No, I believe plug? they were Autolite Premium. Yeah, okay. I need to get that out and go back and get you a, it's going to be called a, a 41-110 is the plug. It's an Iridium plug, and it's a special plug. It's made for that engine, and anything else you put in there, you're probably going to lose mileage. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. that was quick. Yeah, uh, uh, we, we see that a lot. Yeah. Okay, a, an AC Delco 41-110. Yes, sir. All that's right, plug. All it used right. to be a 41-485, but they changed the number on it. Well, I will do that. Okay, next question. Sometimes, well, all the time, let's suppose I'm in second gear, mm-hmm. not in, it's not shifting, and I, I just hold it down. I hear a whistle from the engine area. Hmm. You mean you got it, like, in second gear? Yeah, and this is the way I can exaggerate. It does yes, it all the time. Yes, sir. but by bringing the RPMs up, it starts to whistle. Yeah, yeah, and it's right. For instance, uh, if I'm towing my boat, I mm-hmm. can really hear it in mm-hmm. between shifting. Hmm. Now, now, once it shifts, then I don't have the whistle anymore. But if you even up, at the same RPM at a higher gear, and what you want to do is notice what RPM this whistle's occurring at in second, then shift it to third and see if at that same RPM the noise is there or not. Oh, okay. So whether right, it's right. RPM related or whether transmission, it's transmission related. related, because if it only does it in second gear. Then it's no, it doesn't in all gears. There's no doubt about that. Okay, and at the same RPM, I would, roughly. Yeah, I'm thinking You'd so, yeah. Try it in first gear. That would be even easier because you have to go as fast. But if it's always at that RPM level, then I would expect something probably like an accessory on the motor that has to just turn fast enough to start making that noise. I'd have to see the vehicle. What you could try is see if with it in park, sitting still, you bring it to the same RPM and noise is there or not. Okay. If noise is there, we're in park, not in gear, and at the same RPM. Now, we know it's something on the motor. The next step is to temporarily remove the serpentine belt, crank it up, and bring it to that RPM and see if noise is there. Oh, if the noise okay. is not there, then we know it's one of the accessories being driven by the belt. Uh-huh. And then you can go sense. and turn each part by hand and see if you feel some roughness in one of them. But that's the way we would go about trying right. to find it. Don't run it too long, but yeah, long you'll, enough you'll to get... the motor if you run it too long. But right, you know, long yeah. enough to get the point. Yeah, you, you done, can run it for but... 30, 40 seconds. Well, before before I get off the air here with you, does this engine have a vacuum system with hoses like the old engines used to have? Very, very few hoses. Everything on that engine and transmission is electronic. Okay. You still, That's what it sounds you, like. You it do still like have vacuum leak. Yeah, you do still have vacuum in it. You got a vacuum line to the brake booster. You right. got one to the regulator, the fuel pressure regulator. Mm-hmm. There still are a few vacuum lines on it, but not as many as there yeah, used to be. Yeah, very, very few, and they're mostly pretty short and localized. Right. I, I don't think that you would be hearing them. See, the engine doesn't have much vacuum at that high RPM. Well, it Your, your vacuum so. is maximum at idle, so you would hear it more than idle with a vacuum leak than at RPM. This is more okay. like something that's turning. Now, I tell you, you can have something like an intake whistle. I've right. noticed sometimes the air filter will have a little, maybe one of the little wires in there is broken loose or something that's vibrating, and that oh. will make a whistle noise like at high RPMs. All right. So you, you might even try take the air filter out for just a second and see if the noise is gone. Okay. Uh, and maybe try replacing the air filter and, and see if the noise is gone. Well, that sounds like a good idea. All right. Now, there, there are two serpentine belts on that vehicle. Yeah. One that runs the air conditioning, and that one is actually behind the main one that runs all the rest of the accessories. Right. So just keep in mind, there are two on there. Right. The AC, okay. you could pretty much turn the AC off and, and kind of see if that affects it or not. Yeah, I have done that, mm-hmm. and it doesn't affect it. Yeah. Well, it's probably one of, one of the ones on the big belt then. 
All right, sir. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, George. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, four nine 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 five two six. A number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, I think we got time for a couple of more calls. We got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, I got a Dodge Ram. Uh huh. It's a fifteen hundred. It's an old three. Uh huh. It's a five point nine liter. Okay, gasoline. And what it's doing? Like it might run good for about three days. It did it to stop. We had a check. Can't find the problem. Well, when you say it stops, what what, what exactly do you mean, Mike? What does it do? What does it kill? You, you, know, you drive like down the road, it just dies. Right. Okay, and will it start back up? Every once, it, it might start up, and then it'll die down again. Mm-hmm. What you're going to have to do is to have some gauges on there when it dies, and the first thing I do is put a fuel pressure gauge on it, and what you can do is hook a fuel pressure gauge and then tape it to the outside of the windshield where you can read it without bringing gas into the car with you. Mm-hmm. Drive it around when it dies if the fuel pressure drops off. Then mm-hmm. we know we're into a fuel pressure type of a, a situation. The next thing would be to have a voltmeter of some sort attached to the fuel pump when it dies. Mm-hmm. If I've got power and ground to the fuel pump and the fuel pressure drops out, we got a bad fuel pump. Mm-hmm. If I lose power and ground, then i got to trace it up the circuit and see where that's going. Now, right. if the fuel pressure is good, you forget all that. So, see, you don't have to go start buying parts. The, okay. the absolute most expensive way you could try to fix this truck is say, well, I'm going to change the fuel pump. Well, okay. still doing it. Okay, well, then I'm going to change the distributor. Whoops, still doing it. Well, I'm going to change You are going to run out of money before you run out of guesses. So you're absolutely going to have to have some test equipment, and if you don't have it or don't want to do it, you have to bring it to somebody who does and have them check it because it's going to be so much cheaper to test this thing than to start throwing parts at it because, you see, if let's say your fuel pressure is still good when it dies. Well, forget all the fuel system. It ain't nothing to do with that. Now we'll start looking at stuff like ignition modules and stuff like that, you see, but – you, yeah. The point is, you got to have a structured approach. You got to have some equipment. You got to have some knowledge to know how to go about finding this problem. Okay. If not, you'll run out of money way before you run out of guesses. And you may create other problems That's in the right. process. That's right. A lot of times you go buy an old part, put it in there thinking you're doing good, and it's worse than the one you took out. Yeah. So now you got two problems. Right. But that's the way you're going to have to go about finding that. See if the fuel's dropping out or if it's ignition dropping out or what's actually dropping out. If it's losing timing, you know, you can have a crankshaft sensor can do that. Camshaft sensor can do that. There's just so many parts on these things that can do that, that you're going to have, without some kind of test equipment, some knowledge of the way the system works, man, you'll be up against it. Okay. All righty. All right. Thank you. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right. I think we're just... Totally out of time? Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Uh, I tell you, if you didn't get your question answered and you're still on hold, you might want to send me an email. This happens just about every week. So. Yep. <laughs> just go to the website, agcoauto.com. Right. You can hit the contact bar and send your message on in to Lewis, and he'll That's get right. it answered. And, and send be it back sure to you. you use a fresh form right. every time you send it in, because if you reply to an old form or if you store my email address and try to send it to me, I'm not going to get it. Right. I've got it set up where it will automatically just send those to a disposal thing. Just because we get on so many, virtually adds me to his list, and every time he sends some out to all his friends, I get a ton of emails. So right. it will automatically delete all of those. I don't ever see them. So you have to fill out a fresh form each time you want to get, get in touch with me. Good. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. I want to thank everybody for listening this morning and every Saturday morning. like to thank our podcasters for listening all the time also. That's right. Hey, tell all your friends and get as many as we can. We're going to get on out of here. Have a great weekend.